How are we going to do from now on on Wednesday nights? But popularly, the men, we got one song. I think it's good. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Oh, it just came to mind. <laughs> if I know how to sing the song, I will. <laughs> if not, we got Chrissy up here. <laughs> oh, goodness. All right, you may be seated. Okay. Let's look at the Lord. what the Lord has for us tonight. Uh, 2 Kings chapter 4, if you go to 2 Kings chapter 4, I hope you like my outlines, I'm building these things, I'm getting a little better at it, <laughs> I'm not saying that in a prideful way, just, you know, okay, so anyway, I'm getting a little tips from, from Eric, he's keep telling me things, and by the time I go do it, I already forgot, <laughs> yesterday, I mean, it was yesterday, yeah, I made this yesterday, I was like, how you start? <laughs> it took me a little bit to get to it. I was like, how you start? I already forgot this. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Someday uh, I got good at it. For now. Anyway, 2 Kings chapter 4. Let's look at verse 1. This is a popular passage of Scripture. I heard so many preaching on this one. Uh, but let's look at it tonight. 2 Kings chapter 4, verse 1, it says, Now there uh, cry a certain woman of the wives of the sons of the prophets unto Elijah. I'm sorry, excuse me. Elijah saying, Thy servant, my husband, is dead. And thou knowest that thy servant did fear the Lord, and the creditors, and the creditors is come to take unto, un, unto him my two sons to be bondmen. And Elijah said unto her, What shall I do for thee? Tell me. What hast thou in the house? And she said, Thine handmaid had not anything in the house save a pot of oil. Then he said, Go borrow these vessels abroad, and uh, uh, abroad of all thy neighbors, even empty vessels, borrow not a few. And then, and when uh, thou art come in, thou shalt shut the door upon thee and upon thy sons, and shalt pour out into all those vessels. And thou shalt set aside that which is full. So she went from him and shut the door upon her and upon her sons. who, who brought the vessels uh, to her and she poured out. And it came to pass when the vessels were full, then she said unto her son, Bring me yet vessels. And he said unto her, There's no, There is not a vessel more. And the oil stayed. Then she came and told the man of God. And he said, Go sell the oil and pay the debt, and live thou and thy children, uh, I'm sorry, of the rest. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you, Lord, so much for this passage of Scripture. We see here the hand of the Lord, how He provides, sometimes even in the most critical times of life, Lord. May we tonight grasp that, how much You provide, how You provide for us in many different ways, Lord. In this case, it was a woman, Lord, that she was even going to lose us. Two, two boys, Lord, because of the, the debt that she had and losing her husband as well. I just pray, Father, give us something tonight, Lord, as we so we can take it to heart and apply it to our lives. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. All right. Tonight's title of the message is When You Reach the End of Your Rope. When You Reach the End of Your Rope. I honestly, and I'm not, not kidding you, yesterday I'm, I, I put on, on Almighty Google... Uh, uh, people reaching the end of their rope. 
I figured, you know, it'd be somebody hanging you know, on the rope there, you know, like for their life. And, but now what I see is people <laughs> hanging on like, I don't want a picture like that. And I kept searching, kept searching. I finally found this one. I said, okay, that's not a rope, but she's hanging for their life. <laughs> it's the best I could get. But anyway, but uh, here's the interesting thing is there are situations in our lives on which we find ourselves in the end of the rope. Have you ever been there? Honestly, you ever been in the, rent, the end of the rope on which you're like, Lord, what should I do? What direction should I go? I don't know what to do. And you're just hanging for their life right there. You know, and I think I'd say most of us, if not all of us, been there one time or another. And it's because of different circumstances of life. You know, it can be, I mean, the death of a loved one. It can be the loss of a job. It can be all kinds of circumstances, you know, that can happen on which causes us to get that way. It could be sickness. It could be that. Give you discouragement, all kinds of things. Uh, let me, uh, for the sake of uh, starting this morning, uh, James Dobson. You ever heard of James Dobson? People, you know, he's a very popular man. Tells the true story of a little toddler named Frankie. He was a handful, to say the least. One day he pulled a chair over to the front window of his house and carefully placed it uh, inside the drapes. Uh, placed it inside the drapes. He was standing there staring out at the world when his mother came looking for him. She spied his little, uh, little white legs uh, beneath the drapes and quietly slipped uh, in behind him to see what he was doing. She got there just to hear him say to himself in a very sober terms, I've got to get out there. <laughs> uh, do you ever feel trapped? Do you ever feel trapped? Do you ever feel that way, trapped? Have you ever feel like you... Uh, you at the end of your rope, you know. My mother-in-law, maybe she's watching us tonight, for the longest time was not the rope, but there was a, she used to have a, a branch. Like it was a picture, like a three-fold picture of a cat, of a cat. Uh, I don't know if she remembers that, but I remember that in her house in West Warwick, and she used to live there. She used to have that picture, and this little kitty cat was hanging in the end of the branch, and in the, in the words in, the, in, the, in this little paper that she had there, it was a card. It says, hang in there. <laughs> hang in. I never forgot that. Just, you know, working on this message, it came to mind. I said, I remember that little card that she had in her refrigerator for the longest time in one of the sides. Maybe, I don't know if she remembers, but I do. But I said, hang in there. You know, when you're in the end of your rope, you know what you do? You hang in there. You know, sometimes situations of life, circumstances. So... What do you do when you reach that, that point, the end of the rope? The realistic, that's kind of people. Let's look at what people say. The realistic would say, just tie a knot and hang on. That's the realistic, you know. Put a knot in the end and hang on so you don't slip down, okay. The pessimist would say, you might as well let go. It's only going to get worse. <laughs> that's a pessimist. <laughs> the optimist may say, just tie another knot and keep on climbing. That's the optimist. Don't just hang in there. Get another knot and another knot to keep going up. What is difficult? Of course it is. <laughs> of course it is. But you know what? Don't give up. That's the optimist. Hey, listen. The, the realist is just like, it sees things for what it is. The optimist, he looks at it and say, all right, I'm here, but I can do better than that. I'm not going to stay here. You know? It's like, oh, I hit bottom, and I'm going, I'm going up, you know? You ever see Tigger? Tigger hits bottom, goes up. 
You know, that's what it does. So, but of course, the pessimist, everything is bad. Oh, well, I'm just might as well go down the river. Oh, it is a fall in there. And I'm going to fall. I might hurt myself, but that's okay. Whatever. Well, I'll, I'll go down there. Goes down there. That's the pessimist. <laughs> Eeyore. <laughs> okay. So, <laughs> each of those has its merits, but uh, in, in reality, what can you do when you're in the end of your rope? Maybe some of you are in that place right now, maybe been there. I think all of us been there at one point or another in our own lives. You are at the end of your rope and there's a long drop beneath you and you don't want to fall, but you know some people just want to give up. But don't give up. Don't give up. What do you do when you are facing problems with your children? You give up? No. What do you do when you, you have problems at work and seem that there is no way out? Do you quit? No. What do you do when you have too much, too much, too many bills to pay? What do you do? Pay. <laughs> do what you can. Pray that's going to help you. Get another job if you have to. You see, that's optimism. I'm going to pay this. I'm going to get rid of this thing. So what do you do when you, are, or you have, uh, um, what did I do here? Oh, I'm going down a little bit. <laughs> what do you do when you, uh, your heart is broken, your dreams are shattered, and your hopes are been dashed? The bits on the on the cruel rocks of reality. What do you do? You just give up? What do you do when you are walking through a spiritual wasteland and it seems that not even God is around to, to help you? What do you do? You give up? What's the cause? I just give up. Let me put it this way. What was Paul when he was writing to the Philippians? In jail. Did he give up? No. Should we give up? No. You know what? The worst thing we can do is when life presses us, the worst thing we can do is give up. You know, okay, I don't like these people at work. I might as well quit, and I quit. Well, let them quit. That's the way I put it. When am I going to go home, quit, and just struggle after that? Why don't you quit? I stay. And if you don't like me, you have to put up with me. So, be it. <laughs> That's optimism, right? Yeah, you know, if you don't like me, well, put up with me. If you don't like me, then quit. I ain't quitting because of you. So, you know, you got to have the optimism. Because sometimes, you know, I remember my dear mother. She's in heaven with the Lord one time. This was in the 80s. Goodness, I was a teenager. I was young as could be. <laughs> I was a teenager. And she was, she, she, I got her job. She was working with me. She was, she was working on the... She was in the production area working with some ladies. And anyway, these ladies are going on, picking at each other all day long. Suddenly, I mean, I'm watching because I'm working on the, in the sample department down, and I'm watching that nonsense going on. Like, what in the world? These ladies don't be quiet. Suddenly, she gets up, gets her purse, puts everything away, closes the machine, comes to me. Can you take me home? I said, why, Mom? I quit. I said, Mom, turn around and go sit over there right now. <laughs> and she goes, no, I quit. I said, no, you have to walk home because I ain't taking you home. Go back to work. And are you, you sure? I said, yeah, if they want to quit, let them quit. Don't you don't quit. You go back to work. When we got home that night, she said, thank you. <laughs> thank you. Uh, I was ready to quit. No, why? So you can go home and struggle? No. have to be optimistic. Sometimes, no, you don't like me? Okay, fine. You want to quit? You quit. I stay. <laughs> anyway. Okay. Where was I? That was not part of the message, but anyway. <laughs> So what I said, what do you do when your heart is broken and your dreams are shattered and your hopes have been dashed to, to, to bits on the cruel rocks of reality? 
What do you do when you are walking through a spiritual, uh, uh, spiritual wasteland? I don't think anyone but the Lord has the answers for all those questions. Sometimes, you know, we can, you know, we are there and we, we you know, we think our dreams are shared and stuff. We can try to help a uh, fellow uh, family member or uh, a Christian brother or sister. But a lot of times, you know, after all that, we do need the Lord, don't we? We need, need to go to the Lord because sometimes not even people can help us. I mean, it's not, listen, don't get me wrong. Isn't it nice to have a hug from somebody when you're struggling? Of course it is. You know, somebody come to you and say, hey, I'm thinking of you. Hey, you know what? If you need anything, I'm here for you. But ultimately, you know what? Sometimes not even those things help. We have to go to the Lord and say, Lord, I need you. So, this passage tells about a poor widow, woman, who was at the end of her rope. She did not know what to do or where to turn. In her pain and her poverty, she did the only thing that she knew she could do. She turned to the Lord. You know what? She turned to the Lord. Listen, you look at this passage, and we said, oh, I heard so many messages about this passage. Okay, you know what? That was a real person right there with real struggles. Imagine if your life were written in the Bible. Imagine that, and we were here preaching from your own life. See, this woman, you know, lived at one time. She experienced this struggle, and she, you know what? She didn't run away. She went to when God wanted to. She went to the men of God. She knew somebody could help her. Somebody could help her was the Lord, you know. But she had a real struggle here. She was at the end of herself. Can you imagine? You know what? Widows in those days, it was a struggle for widows. There was no income coming in. That's why you know they wanted boys to work. You know, it was a struggle. They went through living a good life to total poverty. And this woman was there. You see, in her pain and in her poverty, she did the only thing that she knew she could. She turned to the Lord. She, when she did that, God came through for her in a very big way. And you say, you and I say tonight, can God come to, towards me that way? Yes, He can. It's the same God. The God that helped this woman right here can help you and me. And I believe we can give testimony of how God had helped us in the past. And God been good to you. He's been great to me. I only look at him and say, praise the Lord for all the blessings, for all the blessings that, of the past and the blessings of today that keep flowing. God is good. God is good. So, I want to take these verses tonight and share a few lessons that we should, should comfort us or comfort you when you reach the end of your rope. And you might not be there today, but you might be there tomorrow. Who knows? Number one, God knows about your problems. Look what it says in verse 1. Now they cried a certain woman of the wives of the son of the prophets unto Elijah, saying, Thy servant, my husband, is dead. And I knowest that thy servant did fear the Lord. And the creditors has come to take unto him my two sons to be bound men. So let me be very clear to you tonight here. God knows about your problems. God knows about your struggles. God knows about your pain. God knows exactly where you are and what you are dealing with tonight. God knows all that. God knows if you are hurting. God knows if, you, uh, uh, if you're hurting either spiritually, emotionally, or physically. God knows about that. Folks, sometimes we... We keep quiet and we keep our problems to ourselves. 
we don't want to bother anyone with our problems uh, and we struggle right along trying to fix them. What I'm trying to say here is that uh, you need to include the Lord in your problems because He already knows what you're going through. Actually, it is better to include the Lord in our problems than try to resolve our problems on our own. Look at this woman's problem. Look at, look at this. Look at her. Letter A, her despair. The word cry there, look what it says in verse 1, and now they cry the woman. So the word cry means to moan, to weep uncontrollably, to, 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 to shrug out of grief. So this woman came to Elijah, and this woman was crying bitterly. See, I mean, she, the word cry there, as a, I mean, like, oh, she was like, oh, I don't have any food. No, this woman was crying uncontrollably. She knew her situation. Her husband died. Now her sons have to go to pay the debt that they have. You know, she was left all alone. She, could, she, she was thinking in her mind, I can die of starvation here. You see her problem? She, was, she needed help. And she cried uncontrollably right here. This word identifies the sound of a broken heart. This woman comes to Elijah at the lowest moment of her life. She's desperate and she needs help. She needs somebody to not only to listen, but also to help her with the physical needs. Listen, somebody, some, somebody, sometimes what we need is just to, somebody to listen to us. It makes it feel good. Us feel good. I haven't been there. You know, you just have, your heart is heavy. Your mind is heavy. You just want to say, listen, can you just listen to me? I just want you to, don't say anything, just listen. And then we go, and in the end, you feel relieved. But sometimes, you know, you don't want just, you want somebody to listen to you, and so you want some physical help. i tell you what, some Christians are like this. I'll be praying for you, brother. I'll be praying for you, sister. I, the Lord's going to provide. And the Lord is hitting your head going, why don't you provide? I give it to you abundantly. Why don't you give? Because the Bible says we have to take care of those who are the household of faith. Don't you know that we actually we serve meals out on Saturdays? We give to the food pantry. Don't you know that is an extra blessing to those people? Because the Bible tells us to take care of those who are in the household of faith first. That's Bible. You know, it's a blessing to go to them. I mean, we use that as an outreach. I understand that. But if we come to the, to the, to the bottom line, that's what the Lord talks about here. So, that is, number two, her predicament. She was married to one of the sons of the prophets, the Bible says. They were, they were the men who were, uh, were training on the Elijah to be the prophets and preachers in Israel. Her husband, her lover, her friend, her provider, her protector had been taken away uh, from her. And she, I mean, of course, he, he died. She is broken because, because a loved one has been taken away. And she's broken because her sons are being taken away. Her predicament, she lost her husband. She's losing her two sons. She's going to be left alone to take care for herself. And we don't really know how old is this, this woman here. Can she work? I mean, more than likely, she probably can't work inside the home. So she, is, she knows a predicament. Her predicament is, is, is a very hard situation right here. Uh, let us see. Her reality. Since her husband is dead, she cannot pay her bills. That's her reality. As a result, her, the creditors are coming to take her sons as slaves so they can work to pay off the debt. This was allowed under the Jewish law, Leviticus chapter 25, verse 39. 
So she was been, she's been deprived of her husband. Now she's about to lose her sons. So can you imagine the cry? So can you imagine, let's say, ladies, put yourself there. Okay? You become a widow. And at the same time, you lose all your kids because they have to, and you have no way of getting any physical need for yourself. Can you see the desperation here? She's going to, to Elijah here. She's going with a great need. Listen, if you don't do something for me, I'm going to die. That was her reality. Let it be her devotion. All out of verse 1. In spite of all her problems, she's still held firm in the grip of fate. She needs help, but she does not turn to her family or her friends. She does not try to find someone to loan her more money. In her des desperation, she turns to the man of God for help. So Elijah was God's representative on earth at this time, and he was her best hope. She reminds Elijah that her husband uh, uh, did fear the Lord, right there in verse 1. So her life has been a life of devotion to the Lord, um, and, and, and in her trouble, she still trusts him and turns to him for the things she needs. I tell you what, I heard Christians say this. I go to church when the doors is open. I tithe when I can. I give to this. I give to that. And look where I am. There's no use going to church. You know, I say to those people, where is your heart? Where is your faith? You know, we live in a falling world. Just because you can be in the center of God's will and still have your life full, full of trouble. Because we live in a troubled world. We don't live in a trouble-free world. You know, by the way, be honest, let's be honest with each other. You know what we do every day in life? Resolve problems. One after the other. I mean, you know, it's, it's little problems. Aggravating problems. <laughs> more problems. And you go to bed at night, you go, <laughs> it's all problems. I mean, some problems bigger than others, of course. But let me tell you, her devotion right here, she did not give up on God. You know, how many Christians I know, what's going through all kinds of headaches and problems of life, both physical, both financial, uh, both spiritual, and they still love the Lord. And when it comes Sunday, they lift up their voices to God, like everything is okay. You know why they trust in God? That's what they do. And you know what? And God provides. God does. So even though she couldn't see it out, and out, she knew that she couldn't see everything. Even though she didn't understand everything she was facing, she still believed that God cared and that He could do something about her situation. So she cried out in faith. Note this. There are some lessons in this verse that we do not want to miss today. At some point, every person in this room or even online, is going to arrive at the low point in life. That is a given thing. There will come a day when you will reach the end of your rope. Some have already been there and been through that. Some have already probably been there several times. Others are there right now and are looking for help. Let me tell you this. Others will arrive there someday. I'm not trying to be pessimist here tonight. I'm trying to be a realistic because that's what life brings us. But let me tell you, there is a God... You can help us. There's a God that can say, I can help you. When you reach that point, the world, the flesh, the devil, I'll go and to tell you that God doesn't see and that God doesn't care. The fact is that, that He does see. You can see in Proverbs 15, 3, 2 Chronicles 16, 9, He sees everything you are facing. He knows exactly where you are. 
The Bible doesn't say that Satan knows how many hairs you have in your head. The Bible says that God knows how many hairs we have in our heads. See how much love is in there? He does care. Hebrews 4, 4.15, 1 Peter 5.7. He, he, he cares more than you know, than you know about, uh, about what you're facing. He cares. God cares. These verses are designed to teach us that our problems, while we may appear to be, be uh, 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 unresolved, or we cannot even take care of in our own eyes, the reality is God can use the opportunity to do great things through us and be a blessing to us and to someone else. So he cares. He is able. He will work in your need. You know how we go to Him? Listen, God already knows our problems. But you know, how, how, you know how he wants us to come to him in faith. He wants us to total humble faith and humility. Go to the Lord and say, Lord, I need you. This is my problem. I've been there. I've been given, I give my problems. I've been in the end of my rope several times through my life. And you know what? God always comes through. Always comes through. Number two. What we see here. You see, God knows your potential. We see this from verse 2 to verse 4. And Elijah said unto her, What shall I do for thee? So he asked a question. What can I do for you, woman? Tell me, what hast thou in the house? And he goes, he helps her. What can I do for you? And he goes, what do you have in your house that we can use? See, he helps her. Isn't it amazing? And uh, look what he said. And she said, Thine handmaid had no anything in the house save a pot of oil. Then he said, Go and borrow the vessels abroad, and of all thy neighbors, and even empty vessels, borrow not a few. He said, Go ask your neighbors to give you some vessels to put oil, obviously, and don't just grab a, grab a few. Grab as many as you can. Because when God blesses, He blesses. Isn't that good? When God blesses, He blesses. And look what it says in verse 4. And when thou art come in, thou, uh, thou shalt shut the door upon thee and upon thy sons, and, and shalt put out all those vessels, and thou shalt set aside that which is full. So it would have been easy for Elijah to, to say, Okay, sister, you have suffered enough. The Lord is going to meet your need. Just go home and wait for Him to work. It's like saying, Hey, brother, hey, sister, I feel for you. I'm going to pray for you. The Lord will take care of you. Elijah did something. What do you have in your house? I have this. You see, he's, 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 he's a proactive type of guy. You know, go ask your neighbors for as many vessels as you can and bring them to the house. Shut the door. This is what you need to do. You know what? What a fate. She did exactly what, what he was saying. Exactly what he's saying. So, instead of taking, care, uh, taking that uh, course, the Lord chose to involve this widow in her own uh, in, her, in, in this miracle right here, first God tasseled her faith. Second, God expanded her faith by teaching her truth through humility and obedience. And you want to know something? He does the very same thing for you and me. You know what he, God does? He tasks our faith. He stretches our faith. See how much faith we have in Him. Lord, I have faith, but I really don't know if you can do this. You follow that? Lord, I, 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 know, I know that you can do it, but, but this one, I don't know. I don't think, Lord, this, this is impossible. I don't think you can. Don't we worship the God of the impossible? So if we worship the God of the impossible, don't just let the word stay in the Bible. Apply it. Live it. 
I'm in an impossible situation here. I don't know what to do. But I know you can do what I cannot do. Bring those words out to the Lord in faith. Just, Lord. You, see the Lord, you will see the Lord come true. Letter A. When your faith becomes sight. Verse of verse 2. Look at verse 2. And Elijah said to her, What shall I, I do for thee? Tell me. What thou hast thou in thy house? And then she answers here. See, when, you be, when you, our faith becomes sight, God is out of the picture. Because no longer we are trusting in God to do the impossible with our lives. We no longer have enough faith to see God work when things seem impossible. When the comforts of life is the meaning on which we have based our faith, that is not faith at all. You know what? Okay. When life is good, when there's money in the bank, food on the table, place to sleep, oh, good health, oh, God is good. Oh, yeah, he's good. He's absolutely good. And if you're there, praise the Lord you're there. But what about when you sleep on the floor? When there's no money to pay the bills? When there's about no food in the refrigerator? What about, what, is God still good? Is our faith still strong? Or we go, Lord, if you love me, you know what? You won't put me in this place. What was Paul in prison? Did he lose his faith? No. If I, I mean, people think God is good is only when it's good here. What about when things don't go the way we like and we over here go like, you know what, Lord? Oh, look at this situation. I can't even pay my bills. I can, we can't even go to the store to buy food. What can I do? Is God still good? Yes, he's still good. He's still good. Well, this woman had plenty at one time when her husband was alive. When her husband died and her sons were taken away, this woman find herself with nothing. Now, you know what? God's testing her faith and stretching her faith. You know what? And she's not giving up on God. See, but when our faith becomes sight, is a problem. So the Lord tested her, this widow's faith through two questions asked by Elijah. And one is, what do, you, uh, what do you need? And second one, what do you have? <laughs> right there in that verse. And Lucas says, Elijah said unto her, What shall I do for thee? What do you need? And he, she, he goes again, Tell me, what, ha, what hast thou in, in the house? He says, What do you have in your home? In those two questions, this woman was made to, to see the size of her need and the smallest of her, her own resources. She needs everything, and she had very little. She needed much, but she could not possibly meet her own needs. Often God will use the trials, headaches, and burdens of life to bring us to the place where we can honestly see our need and our own inability to meet them. Think about it. As long as we think we can handle things, why should we look to the Lord? Right? When I can take care of myself and do all my things by me, I don't need God. No. We should practice our faith when life is good as much as when life is not as the way we want it. That's an unwavering faith. You see, if we have all the answers, why should we turn to Him with our questions? But when we stop and honestly answer those two questions, we will realize that we need more than we will have to be able to supply our, by ourselves. 
God does this to test our faith many times. He does it so that we will erase, uh, we will erase our faith from our own selves, our own faith that we have in our own selves, and put our faith in Him. Let it be. When our faith is expanded, we see this in verse 2 to verse 5. After God tests your faith in herself, in her own abilities, He began the process of expanding her faith uh, in the... In the uh, in, in her faith, in the power of the Lord to meet her needs. Again, he, go, he does it the same thing in our lives as well. God tests our faith. Not only tests our faith, He expands our faith. You trust me? I trust you, Lord. You still trust me? I trust you, Lord. It's exactly where she is right now. Number one, He expands our faith personally. Elijah's second question what has thou in, in the house was designed to teach this widow that it may not have looked like she had much, but in reality she already had everything she needed to obtain what she wanted. She, could see, she couldn't see it, but God had already given her the very thing it would meet her need. Her answer to Elijah is to tell him that all she had was a pot of oil. That's what she answered. The word pot refers to a a flax right here. This oil was probably a small amount of, of, of anointing oil used by the prophets, to, uh, the prophets to anoint the man of God. Maybe, maybe it was something else. But there was very little what she had. This little flax of oil had sat in the house unused since her husband died, probably, that little insignificant uh, 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 flax of oil would be the answer for, uh, for her prayers. What we fail to realize is that God had already given us everything we need uh, we need to get our need uh, met. So that witness, that widow said, uh, said that the only thing of value she had was a pot of oil. Yet, you, you and I have so much more than a little pot of oil in our homes, don't we? Think about it. What we have. Okay. I'll put it like this. Okay. So, when life is good, we're here. God is good. Oh, praise the Lord. Everything is good. But when we come here, and all the goodness is going, and now we're struggling for maybe uh, disease, or maybe some, some, some uh, discouragement, maybe some spiritual down, or maybe, maybe it's, 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 it's financial problem, whatever that is. Is God still good? He's still good. Does He know you have problems? Yes, He does. Are you going to God, or are you going to others? We have a tendency to go to others instead of go to God. God first. That's what this widow does here. She go to God. But what we have already in possession that we can call God good. Think of it. You are saved. You are a child of God. He has promised to hear your prayers. He has promised to answer your prayers. He has promised to meet all your needs. We look at our, we look at our problem and they, look, and they look so large many times. We look at our possession. They look so small. Yet the way we always fail, uh, fail to factor God into the equation. We go like this, okay? My problems are so big, I can't even measure anymore. And my possessions are so small. I'm in trouble. And God says, I'm bigger than your problems and bigger than your, your possessions. Do you trust me? You know the problem we say? We say, yes, Lord, but we don't trust it. I'm not saying all of us. I'm saying some do. You see... Here's what happens. My problems are so big. I, I, no measuring tape can measure my problems. I don't know what to do with them. It's impossible. 
My possessions, I don't have that much. I don't know what to do. But we forget something. Our God is bigger than that and bigger than that. Put together. So what we do? Go to the Lord. So can God provide for my need? Yes, He can. Yes, He can. Number two, He expends our faith publicly. Look what it says in verse 3. Then He said, Go and borrow these vessels abroad of all thy neighbors, even empty vessels borrowing out a few. So the widow is told to go to the neighbors and borrow all the empty vessels that she could get her hands on. That is a strange command, isn't it? How do you suppose she explained uh, this to the neighbors? Hey, neighbor, uh, well, that's when wisdom come about. Uh, neighbor, uh, do you have any empty vessels? Oh, I do. Empty buckets or whatever you have. Uh, you have anything? Oh, what are you going to do with this thing? God's going to do a miracle. He's going to fill these things with oil. I don't think she said that. She went and bought, can I need some? I have a need in my home. There's many ways you can go about it. I mean, you know what? We can say, the Lord's going to give me a great blessing today. I need these vessels. But see, publicly, you know, the Lord expends her faith publicly. She has to go out of her house, out of her way. And that's what the Lord does. You know what? Sometimes the Lord wants to do that to us. Wants to expend our faith publicly. You know what you know when you talk about the Lord? You know what you're doing? You're expending your faith publicly. Do you know when you go out door to door, you know what you're doing? You're expending your faith publicly. You're not hiding it. When you talk to somebody about Jesus, you're expanding your faith publicly. When you, something in your life you do, and in the end you say, to God be the glory, or thank you, Lord, you're expanding your faith publicly. Whoever listens, they're going to say, wow. You know how many times I work and I finish a job and say, thank you, Lord. Or I put something together and say, thank you, Lord. I say it out loud. I say, praise the Lord. You know what? It comes out of the bottom of my heart because I'm expressing, I'm giving thanks to I'll give you an example today. Okay? It was a lady who came from upstairs. And uh, they said, uh, you, you put this job together. I said, oh, I don't remember. I put so many jobs together. I said, actually, I'm bad. Look at this. No, this is not my job. I, I fixed this. This is what I'm, I'm fixing other people's jobs. And uh, so I fixed this. I said, well, but this, this number is wrong. And I'm looking at the government valve. I was like, Oof. if this number is wrong, if that's the same number, that is, if this number that I wrote in this piece of paper is the same number in that valve, guess what? That's the wrong valve. I have to cut that thing off. Oof. I didn't want to even, even think about it. You know what? Superintendent came to me and we talked about it. He goes, hey, you know what? This thing is in the boat already installed. I'm like, oh, that's what I want to hear. <laughs> you know, people installation, what work on that? I'm like, so I'm praying. I said, Lord, you know my, this is a little thing, but to me it means a lot, and I don't want to get those problems. Lord, please, I hope, I want that to be the right valve. Now I hope I want to be the right valve. Can you just do a miracle and put those numbers in? <laughs> and you know what? Supervisor, superintendent came to me and goes, we have the right valve. You just put the wrong number there. I was like, how are this? Like, it's supposed to be 22 and you put 88. I mean, 22, you put 88. I was like, oh, my eyes are bad. <laughs> you know, I guess when I look, you know, I, I, I thought it was 88 and I was actually 22. But you know what? Those two numbers is cause for a mistake. But you know what? When he said that, when I'm, my point is this. Thank you, Lord. Because it was out of my control. There's nothing I could do. Thank you, Lord. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Lord. Out loud. You know? To me, it's not to a point that it doesn't matter if they look at you and like, what's wrong with you? We just say, praise the Lord. Thank you, Lord. I said it. Thank you, Lord. So, he expands her faith publicly. So, how do you suppose she explained this to her, to her neighbor? 
Did she say, that crazy preacher told me to do this? Did she say, don't ask me why, but I, I want to borrow some empty jars, pots and pans? Did she say, I am, I am flat broke, but God is about to meet my need. I don't know how He's going to do it, but the man of God said to, to go and borrow some pots. I don't understand it, but I know God is going to make a way for my problems. Who knows what she said? One thing we know, she got the pots and pans, and she brought it to the house, however she did it. You see, it may, it may have been that God used her, uh, her to speak to her neighbors. They might have thought that she had lost her mind and, and she went door to door collecting those vessels. But what a witness it would have been when, she, when the Lord met her need. Can you imagine if she went to those doors and said, Neighbors, I need some pots and pans. The man of God is over there. He told me to go get some pots and pans. I think God will do something. He's going to do something big in my house. Can you imagine if she said that? All right? And this happened. And she comes out and, and singing hallelujah outside. Lord, God is good. The name is going to, what happened? My, the pots and pans I borrowed from you, they all full of oil. Can you imagine? What a testimony of God's goodness. You see that? So, number three. He expands our faith privately. Look at verse four. And when thou art come in, thou shalt shut the door upon thee and upon thy sons, and thou shalt pour out all those vessels, and thou shalt set aside that which is full. And, uh, and so she went in, uh, went from him, and, and shut the door. She did exactly what Elijah said. You see, faith moved that widow's heart. She obeyed the Lord, she borrowed the vessels, and she went, uh, and she and her sons shut themselves inside the house and did exactly what the prophet said. And guess what? When we obey the Lord, the Lord always comes through. It's exactly what happened here. She did exactly what she was told. She didn't add anything else. She did exactly what she was told. You know what? And she reaped the blessings. And she goes to says, boys, we got to do this. So, you see, when that day ended, there was, another, uh, was a mother and some boys who had learned a valuable lesson here. There's a, in the privacy of that home, they learned that God was all-powerful and able to meet every need. The neighbors will hear that God had done in that house, and they would know, uh, uh, know that, the, not just intellectually, but they would know that it is a God in heaven who loved that, that woman. Uh, see, it was a public, a public act of faith, but also a, a, a private act of faith right here. You know what? What about if she did, didn't obediently trust the Lord, or, or, or did what Elijah said to her? She probably wouldn't have the blessings. You know what, folks? Let me put it this way. A lot of times, even people online, whoever is watching us, a lot of times we create our problems. Then we are overwhelmed. You say, oh Lord, I want you to help me. But we, we don't ask faithfully. We continue to embark on our problems. But God says, this is where you were. This is where you are. I want to help you. So God tests our faith. He stretches our faith. And he brings people in our life to help us. But the thing is, if we shut down to those things, that's what happens. We do not reap the blessings of the Lord. This woman listened to the prophet. This woman did exactly what he said. And this woman was blessed. She, made, she had enough oil to pay her debt and to live her life with her kids. 
So point number one, you see, God knows about your problems when you're in the end of your rope. God knows your potential when you're in the end of your rope. And number three, God knows your needs. The woman and her, and her sons fill one vessel after another until every vessel that they borrowed was full of oil. They begin that day with nothing and ended with everything. That is what God can do, not only in their lives, but in our lives as well. If we truly trust the Lord, if we truly obey His Word, if we truly by faith follow what God says, you know what? God will bless us. Letter A, we see the lesson of God's provision. Look at verse 5. And she went in from him and shut the door upon her and upon her sons. Uh, we brought the vessels to her and she and she poured out. So one of the lessons we can learn from this episode is that God will, not, will do exactly what he has promised to do. Elijah promised that the Lord will fill the vessels in verse 4, and he did. He will keep, he will keep all of his promise to you as well. And listen, every promise of the, in the Bible that is related to, towards us, God wants to fulfill those promises in our own lives. Why don't we reap those promises? It's not God that's fail, is fail, have, or have failed, it's us. Our lack of faith, our lack of obedience, our lack of humility. And many times we miss those things. You see, not a single word in a single promise will fall to the ground unfulfilled. Because God fills what He promised. God will do everything He has promised to do. We see many verses, if you want to write them down. Hebrews 16.8, Matthew 5.18, Matthew 24.35, Psalm 138 verse 2, John 10.35. There's all kinds of verses on which God keeps His promises. He means everything He says. He will do everything He has promised. Let it be, we see the limit of, us, of God's provision. Look in verse 6. We see this. In, in, what he, uh, uh, look at verse 6. And it came to pass when the vessels are full, and she said unto her son, Bring me a, a yet a vessel. And she said, And he said unto her, There's not a vessel more. And, and the oil stayed. See, the oil kept on flowing. The oil kept on filling those vessels as long as they had vessels to fill. So if she went out and got some more, or, or before they shut the door, if they got more vessels, God will keep filling those things. Ain't God good? His blessings overflow our lives many times. You see, the oil overflowed until the vessels ran out. When the day was done, every vessel was filled, was, was, uh, was completely full. There was no limit on the amount of oil. The only limit was the amount of vessels right here. God's provision knew no limits to the widow's case, and He knows no limits in our case as well. God is able to meet every need, move every mountain, and solve every problem for us. His provision is limited by nothing but our faith. That's it. How, God, how much God can provide for you and me? How big is your faith? That comes on to that. I know a family one time, they really hit bottom. Five kids, five boys, mom and dad. And mother said to dad, we don't have any food in the house. This is a true story. This is not uh, me playing around. And, uh, and dad says, let's pray. 
you need to pray that the Lord will provide. And he began to pray. In the middle of their prayer, they heard a knock on their door. And they finished praying, and they went to the door. And it was a 10-pound a, a pound bag, bag of potatoes. He said, it might seem, the father said, it might seem nothing, but to us was everything. We ate potatoes. My wife baked the potatoes, and we had potatoes that night. That's what we had for supper that night with the boys. But you know what? Our bellies were full. And we praise Lord, the, Lord, the Lord for that. You know, sometimes we, in the end of our rope, that's what we need is trust the Lord. Trust the Lord. And, and go to Him and add, tell Him about our needs. You see, His provision is, is, not limit, is only limited by, by the amount of faith we have. God stands ready to give all that you, 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 you make room for in your life. No more, no less. If you can, if we can trust Him to take care of us, and if we can get our vessels under the, the float of His oil, there's nothing that God cannot do. Let me give you some verses. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20. Jeremiah chapter 32, verse 17, verse 27. Genesis chapter 18, verse 14. Let me give you an illustration. It's a silly illustration, but I want to give it to you. Two men went down to the lake one morning to do some trout fishing. And they stayed there all day. But one of the men had a strange habit. Every time he would catch a trout, he would pull out his little ruler and measure it. If the trout measured larger than the ruler, he would, tr would throw, the, throw it back in the water. So strangely enough, he kept all the little trouts that he caught and threw the large trouts out the door <laughs> on the water. So, well, his partner watched all day long, and, and as, as they prepared to leave, he looked at him and he said, I can't stand this any longer. I have never seen a man fish like you in my life. He said, you will keep all the little small trouts, and you throw the, other one, the big ones in the water. What's your problem? The man said, let me explain. <laughs> Why did you do that? He said, he said, because I only have an 8-inch frying pan. <laughs> well, he didn't let us. <laughs> his faith is limited to a small frying pan. <laughs> the other one said, I cannot understand what you do. In other words, my frying pan is only 8 inches long. You know what, folks, let me put it this way. Our faith sometimes is only 8 inches wide. So it doesn't fit more. We, we don't try to expand it. Listen, don't limit your faith by eight inches. Expand that faith. Make a larger, you know, ask and be. That's the point of the, of the story right here. Because that's, you know, some people have a faith is like eight inches around. What about 10, 20, 24, 40 inches wide? That's what God wants us to do. Let's go let us see. The amount of God's provision. Look at verse 7. Then she came and told the men of God. And he said, Go sell the oil and pay thy debt and live thou and thy children of the rest. Well, let me put it, let me let me say something that is going to hit all of us here. Okay? All of us, all of you online, all of us here. Okay. This man, this woman, I mean, we're going to just give you a little, little thing right here. This woman was living comfortable with her husband and her boys. The husband dies. Is kinds of debt there. The sons are going to be slaves to pay that debt. She is alone. She's a widow. 
she finds herself like, I'm going to die of starvation. She runs to God. God tests her faith. God stretches her faith. Okay? Then they, they, they do exactly what Elijah told her to do, and God provides the provisions in the house. But look what, what Elijah said right here. And you got, you're going to see my point. Then it came, then she came and told the man of God. And, she's, and he, said, he said, go and sell the oil and pay, what it says? Thy debt and live thou and thy children of the, what? Rest. Okay? There was enough oil there to pay everything she owned and enough money for them to live after that. See God's blessings? Elijah didn't say here, okay, okay, you know what? God provided. Why don't you go take a vacation? Why don't you go have a good time? Because now you deserve it after all, all you went through. Nothing happened this way. Because this is the American mind. I deserve to relax. I've been struggling. No, I need to just ease for a time. God says, I provide for you, not for that. I provide for you so you can do this. You follow that? See, that's the problem of the American mind. American mind is like, oh, you know, we live in a society. It's all about us. I need. I deserve. We don't deserve anything. You think she deserved that? No, it's God's blessing to her. And Elijah was very specific. Go and pay what you owe. And the rest, he didn't say, don't go and overspend it. And you carelessly live off of it with your boys. It was that specific? God is specific. So when that day was come, there was enough oil in those borrowed vessels to saddle her debt or to pay her debt, met her desires and supply her dependence right here. God's supply was far more than sufficient. That is the kind of ability our Heavenly Father possesses. He's able to do more than we can imagine if we give Him the opportunity, if we give Him the if we really believe and trust the Lord, God will come through to us. I conclude with this. A construction crew was building a, a new road to a rural area, uh, uh, knowing, knocking down trees in the, in the process. A superintendent noticed that one tree had a nest of birds who couldn't yet fly, and he marked that tree so that it would not be cut down. Several weeks later, the superintendent came back to the tree. He got into a, a, the bucket truck, and it was filled so uh, and, and lift up so that he could look at in the nests. So with surprise, he discovered that the uh, fleeting the fleetings were gone, or the, the the birds were gone. They had obviously learned to fly. The superintendent then ordered the, the tree to be cut down. As the tree crashed to the ground, the nest fell clear, and some of the materials that the birds had gathered to make the nest uh, uh, the nest scattered. Uh, uh, the nest scattered out of the trees when it fell down. So part of it was a, uh, a scrap torn of all the Sunday school pen flip. On the scrap of paper, there was these words, He cared for you. <laughs> that was interesting. Are you at the end of your rope today? I just want you to know that God cares about you. Bring your vessels to the Lord. And believe me, you will be amazed what God can do. If you allow Him to test your faith and stretch your faith, God can help you. And I say this, I say this because I believe this. God can help you. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you, Lord, for your blessings, Lord, upon our lives, Lord. 
and help us to be faithful enough to reap all the blessings that you promise us in your word. Lord, I pray for each person here tonight. Bless each person in a, in a very special way tonight, even those online as well. If it's someone that is not even a believer and is watching us, may tonight they call upon you for salvation. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.